Okay. Well, I'd like to welcome everybody to um, River Church tonight. And Pastor Michael and Miss Deborah are out of town, so they asked me to bring a message. Um, and I was thinking about that. And we just got out of February. And if you think about February, it's always associated with hearts, right? It's like, it's the heart month. It's the month of love is what we normally think of because of Valentine's Day. And so I thought it seemed like a good time to talk about God's love. And actually, love is what I'm studying this year in the Bible. I decided that that was a topic that I needed to learn more about. And it's kind of amazed me as I've been going through the Bible because there's love verses in so many places that I hadn't really noticed before. I might be reading through something and then I look at it and I think, you know, I never really noticed before, but this actually is about God's love. So I'm really finding that interesting. And I know that love is important to God because that's who he is. And so he wants to make his love plain to us and his nature is love. And I've noticed the word love actually appears 310 times in the King James. And if you read the New American Standard, which is what I have instead of a King James, it's 348 times. And in the New Revised Standard Version, love is mentioned 538 times. So I'm thinking love is a really important topic to God. It's really important to Him. But the way we think about love and the way we think about it like in Valentine's Day and worldly terms is so very different from God's love. The way that we think about love and that's celebrated here is it's, it's falls so short of God's love. It's very conditional. Um, and I, I sometimes teach an advertising class and it usually is in spring semester. And it's, we look at some Valentine's ads and they always fall into the category of, I better get something good for her or she's gonna be mad at me, right? Isn't that the general theme of Valentine's? Okay, so it's conditional. It's like, if I don't make her happy at Valentine's then she's gonna make me unhappy, right? And it's always like, well, what are you getting for me? It's, so it's very selfish. You know, so the way we look at love is conditional, it's selfish, it's also fleeting. It's like, well, I've had my students and they'll be like, oh, I just love him, he's so great. And then two weeks later, it's like, who? You know, oh, I'm way past him, he's an old boyfriend by now. So it's very fleeting, right? And it's also somewhat envious. It's, it's like, well, did you see what so-and-so down the street, what her husband got her for, uh, for their anniversary? You know, I, I want something like that. I'm envious of that. So the way we look at love is totally wrong, really. If you, if you compare this to God's love, it is so, I don't know, it's just, it's, it just doesn't measure up at all. It's just totally wrong. So what I wanted to do tonight was I wanted to talk about love from the perspective of God. God's love, which is so much more complete and eternal than anything that we have here. And the Bible has a lot of love stories in it, but a lot of time we don't think about them as love stories. Um, Bill Johnson, who is the pastor of Bethel Church in Redding, California, has used a term for a few years that 
at first I didn't quite understand. When he talks about the unsaved, he doesn't call them unsaved, he calls them orphans. Because they haven't come home yet. Because God is their father, but they haven't been returned to him yet. And for a long time I didn't quite understand that, but in thinking about love, it made a lot more sense to me because they can't understand love. Someone who is an orphan probably hasn't experienced love. And for people who are unsaved, if you just said, well, God loves you, they might not even know what that means because they don't have any reference for it. Love to them might be the worldly kind of love that's conditional. It's like I have to act good or God's going to be mad at me. And if he's mad at me, then he's never going to forgive me for what I've done. They don't understand his love. So that's why we need to understand it better, because we're God's love in the world. We are Jesus with skin and bones, right, here in the world. So tonight what I'd like to do is look at some characteristics of God's love and see how much he cares for us. And when I was talking about the world's version of love, I said that it was conditional. <clears throat> like, if you do this, you don't do this, you know. Maybe somebody prettier or more handsome will come along, you know. It's conditional if you don't do what I want you to. I think a few years ago, Janet Jackson had a song that was, What Have You Done For Me Lately? <clears throat> and that's kind of the world's attitude. But, you know, with God, it's totally different. His love is unconditional unconditional. He loves us no matter what. And I find that so reassuring because I can't always please him, I guess. You know, I, I, I fall short. I don't always do what I'm supposed to do. Sometimes I do the wrong thing. He loves me anyway. His love is unconditional. So if you want to turn to Romans 8, we're going to start with this verse. <clears throat> Romans 8, looking at 38 and 39. In this verse it says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creative thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Very comforting verse. Nothing can separate me from him. Nothing, nothing can separate me from his love. And he loves everyone, whether or not they are saved. I think that people who don't know God often think he must not love me, but they don't understand the nature of his love. It is unconditional. Even if you don't love him, he loves you. And from a human standpoint, that's really hard. You know, some people are hard to love. You know, I think we all have met those folks. Maybe today. And, you know, you might have some in your family also. You know, some of us have those. But you know what? Whether these people are moral whether they seem likable to us, whether they've done things that we don't think are right, he still loves them. And he loves saved, sweet grandmas. And he also loves the people who've murdered folks. 
You know, to him, sin is sin. And the thing is, if, if that weren't true, his love would be conditional. He loves everybody. Whether we accept his love is up to us. But he does. He loves everybody. Um, let's think about Peter. You know, when Jesus was, the day that Jesus was crucified, Peter denied him three times. Jesus knew ahead of time he was going to do this, right? He told him, you're going to be doing this. But you know what? Jesus still loved Peter. He knew he was going to do it ahead of time. It didn't stop his love for him. It didn't stop him from saying, well, I just don't want to die for Peter. No, he died for all of us. And he loved us no matter what we've done. So I consider that a Bible love story. I mean, to me, that is love. To be able to know this is going to happen, and I'm going to love you anyway. That's love. It's also forgiveness, but it's unconditional love. So in Judas, Jesus knew he would betray him, but he loved him anyway. That's love. That's God's love. That's unconditional love. God knows what we're going to do. You know, he sees ahead. We can't understand this necessarily, but he knows what we're going to be doing. He knows where we're going to mess up. And he's so sweet and so kind, he even has a plan B ready for when we mess up. Yes. And sometimes I've gone to plan C's and D's because I messed all those up. But he was kind and loving enough that he provided another way for me to get to where I needed to be. And that's love. So his love is unconditional. And because his love is unconditional, another characteristic is it's secure. So if you look at Ephesians 1. We're going to be looking at verses 3 through 5. And it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. And in this verse, it makes it clear that God loved us before the foundation of the world. Yeah? He said he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy without blame before him in love. If he loved me before he founded the world, why would he quit loving me now? Our love is secure. He's not going to stop loving us. In Ephesians 3.17, it says that we are rooted and grounded in love. Love puts down roots. You know, It doesn't move on if it gets a better offer. God won't stop loving us if we disappoint him. His love is secure because it isn't like the world's version of love. 
and you know, and as I said, it's like with the world's version of love, you may have to do something for somebody to make sure that she still loves you or that he still cares for you. God's not like that. His love is not based on that. His love is secure. He's not going to move on to somebody else. When I think about that, sometimes I think about Saul. I find him to be a really interesting character in the Bible, not just because he wrote amazing things, and I like to hang out in the epistles, but, um, but because of who he was before. Saul went around persecuting Christians. I've often wondered how many people he saw martyred. How many people did he round up and haul off to prison? And yet, God loved him. God loved him so much that he had him actually take the gospel to the non-Jewish people so that they could come to God and no longer be orphans. He loved him despite the fact that Paul was going around persecuting people. I mean, think about that. That's just amazing. Um, and so his love for Paul wasn't based on what, what Saul was doing then. It wasn't based on, are you doing things to persecute my people? Are you being good to my people? It was based on who he was. It was, I love you, you're my son. Oh, and by the way, I've got a plan for your life. So his love was secure. And Paul learned to rest in God's love and listen to Holy Spirit for his guidance and for his encouragement. I wonder how long it took Saul to get past that feeling of, God must not love me because I've done really bad things. A lot of people feel that way these days. I mean, it's, I think it's a fairly normal thing if you're not saved to say, well, I'm not really a very good person. Why would God love me? But what they don't understand is that he's always loved them. He's never stopped loving them. But they don't understand that. And he never will stop loving them because his love is secure. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Well, another characteristic is that God's love is our victory in the world. And I've got several, several things I'm going to read here. The first is um, 1 John 5, 4. It says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So whatever is born of God overcomes the world. God put his love in us. We are overcomers. We overcome the world through our faith. Psalm 7:10. this is in the Passion. And it says, God, your wraparound presence is my protection and my defense. You bring victory to all who reach out for you. I like that. You bring victory to all who reach out for you. <clears throat> and the third one is um, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. We thank God for giving us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. 
When you look at these three, and there are lots of other verses in the Bible that also talk about our victory, it's obvious that God basically has made a way for us to win in this world. He has stacked the deck in our favor. <clears throat> so his love for us is overwhelming, and he wants us to be victorious, which makes a lot of sense. Those of you who are parents, don't you want your children to be successful? Don't you want them to be overcomers? Yes. You want them to be victorious? Yeah, I totally understand that. Um, and think about Jesus. When he was praying in the garden before he was arrested by the soldiers, and he was saying, you know, if possible, is there another way? But if not, I'm okay with this because I love him. I'm willing to do this, even though he knew what he was going to have to endure. But he knew that God was going to make a way to give him the victory. It would have been different if he had felt like, well, you know, I'm not sure that God's really, Father God's going to lift me up here. He knew he would. He understood God's love. So he was secure in that. And he knew, I have to endure this, but by doing this, I'm going to make a way for all of these people, for every generation, now and in the future, to come to Father God. And he was willing to do it because of love. And, and you know, it's the same for Abraham. He had his son. He, how many years did he believe for this kid? Like, 20-some years? And God says, I want you to go sacrifice him. And he says, okay. And so he goes and he like puts him on the offering, he binds him up and he gets a knife and he raises it and God says, no, it's okay, you don't have to do that. I got something else for you. But I believe that Abraham had faith in God's love. He knew this child was special to God. He knew it was special to Abraham. And if something happened to him, God would just raise him back up. He believed he was gonna give him back because he believed in God's love. God loved him too much to do this. So it's the same for us, you know. God makes a way for us. Always. And we have to understand and believe in his love. So um, another characteristic, God's love is actually the foundation of faith. And I have to admit, I did not know this one before I started studying um, about love this year. It came to me as sort of a revelation. And I'm going to use a verse, but it's out of the Passion. And it's Galatians 5, 6. When you're placed into the Anointed One and joined to Him, so when we're actually joined to God, circumcision and religious obligations can benefit you nothing. All that matters now is living in the faith that is activated and brought to perfection by love. And he clearly says here that faith is not only activated, but it's brought to perfection by love. Which makes a lot of sense to me. Because if you think about it, <clears throat> the word says that faith without actions is dead. I think it, is it in James? It says faith without works is dead. If I see somebody has a need, and I know I can meet that need, 
I have a choice. I'm, I guess I'm sort of like the story in the Good Samaritan, right? I can either go around that person and say, I don't see it, I don't see it, or I can go help that person. If I really love that person with God's love, am I going to be able to ignore him? No. If I can meet that person's need or if I can help in some way, I'm going to want to do it because God's love is a foundation in my life and I have faith and that faith is going to be activated and want to help somebody. Right? So faith is activated and brought to perfection by love. So we are motivated to help because our faith is activated by the love that God put in us for other people. Now, if he hadn't put that love in me, I might not feel that way. But that love is the foundation for so many things in my life. For faith, it's the foundation for caring for other people. If he didn't give me his love, I wouldn't be able to love those people who aren't really easy to love. You know? So it really is a foundation of faith. It also says that faith is brought to perfection by love. A lot of times in religion, people are just, oh, well, just have faith. Just have faith. But unless you have love inside you to build on, how would you know what faith is? How can they know what faith is? Those are empty words for a lot of people. Well, just have faith. They don't know what that is because they don't have a foundation of love to build on. And I think sometimes we forget that because it's so normal for us because we're all saved and we understand a lot of these concepts. I mean, I'm not talking about anything here that you haven't heard before. But for someone who is not familiar with these characteristics of love or these concepts, they might not have any reference for what you're saying. And so we have to exercise our faith and help those people to understand, right? So we should be exercising our faith and bringing our faith to perfection. If somebody who's a top athlete has a lot of ability inside them, but they're not actually going to be achieving any sort of athletic status if they sit around on the couch and eat Kit Kats all day, or M&Ms, or whatever your favorite chocolate candy is, right? They have to practice. And that means they're using their muscles, they're bringing their skills to perfection, and they practice a lot. Think about NBA players, NFL players. Even in the off-season, they work out. They practice in order to keep their skill level at a particular you know, level, what it should be. Um, I was reading the other day about marathoners. Because a marathon is 26.2 miles. Top marathoners in training run 100 to 120 miles a week. That's a lot of miles. That is a lot of pounding the pavement. But they do that because it keeps them at a peak physical condition and allows them to, to go faster. So, yeah, they're not sitting around on the couch eating the Kit Kats. Um, 
But the thing is, if they didn't work on that ability that's inside them, they never would achieve that status. We have to also exercise our faith and love muscles, so to speak. If we don't, then what good are we to God, really? I mean, he loves us, but wouldn't it be disappointing to him to think he put all this inside us and he had a plan for our lives and then we sat on the couch and ate Kit Kats? We have to get out there and exercise it too. We have to show God's love to people. We have to use our faith to bring things into our lives and also, you know, join in with other people and help them bring things into their, their lives through faith also. So, and in Galatians 6, 7, this is in the Passion, it says, make no mistake about it, God will never be mocked for what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. Which might seem strange to kind of present as a love verse, but I think it is. Because God loves us so much that he made it possible for us to use our faith to determine what our harvest is. If you plant good seeds, you get a good harvest. If you plant bad seeds, you get a bad harvest. It's a pretty basic principle, right? God gave us the choice because he loved us. Going back to thinking about those of you who have children, it's probably really difficult when they get to be older and they make choices that you don't agree with. But isn't that part of loving them, is letting them make the choices? That's a hard part. It is. It's a really hard part. But when they make good choices, does it make you happy? Yeah, it does. God gives us the choice of what we're going to be doing and the choices we're going to make. And I think that's love because he's not forcing something on us. When somebody forces something on me, I tend to not like it very much. You know, maybe that's a bad confession, but it's true. But I really appreciate that God loves me so much that he gave me the ability to understand this kingdom principle of seed time and harvest. Because that one principle, which is built on love and faith, can change a person's life forever. And once you understand it, it is something that can change the future of your family. It can turn things around. It is really powerful. But it's built on love and faith. So I like that. Um, another thing to say about God's love is that his love is put inside us so we can share it which I've kind of been dancing around the whole time tonight. But if you'll turn to Galatians 6. In Galatians 6.10, it says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. 
So God's love is put inside us so that we can actually share it. Um, Jesus was all about love, wasn't he? He laid down his life for us. He took on my sin and your sin, all because he loved us. So if people see Jesus in us, they should see his love. When we say that we're Christian, hopefully they see us <coughs> differently. They see that we live differently, that we talk differently, that we love, that we show love. But, you know, even within the church, there are people who don't experience God's love because they don't feel worthy. They feel like, you know, I've done things and God probably doesn't still love me or maybe he, he can't love me right now. But that's not true. The problem there is on the human side, not on God's side. Because God still loves them. But it's a problem with us. And it's the devil making us feel bad a lot of times, trying to make us feel guilty. Um, but just because we make a mistake doesn't mean that God's going to give up on us or not love us anymore. Remember, his love is unconditional and it's secure. And it's the foundation of our faith. But we are, the, we are his light in the world. There is a, there's a lot of darkness in the world. And it seems like it just gets darker, right? That's, we need to shine brighter. Because we show people there's hope. And we show people that there's love. And we show people that there is something worth believing in. There are a lot of folks these days who don't believe in anything. And I don't really understand how you could live and not have faith in God. Um, you know, that's just difficult for me. So we're to be the, his light in this world. He put his love in us so that we can share it. And I think that's something that we talk about a lot with kids, but as we get to be adults, sometimes we kind of move past that and we're like, okay, well, I need to be thinking about these other things. But God's love in us is so basic. And his love is not difficult. It's, it's actually very empowering. So, and a lot of times I feel like I see a lot of examples of selfishness and greed and evil in the world. And when I'm moving around in the world, sometimes I feel like I don't see a lot of examples of love. But I wanted to share one with you, something that happened recently. There's a couple that I know. I used to work with her. And her husband is a pastor. And they have two sons. And they wanted a daughter. And they never had a daughter. And so they said, you know what? We would like to adopt a daughter. Five years they've been working to adopt a little girl five years of standing in faith and saying, we have a daughter. We have a daughter. And the first week in February, they flew to India to pick up their daughter. She's four. She's an orphan. Before she went, they started referring to her as sister. The little boys were like, she's our sister. 
Now, I realize the boys are five years older now than when they started the process. So, you know, sister's really younger than them. But they were really happy because we have sister. And it amazed me because they never met this child before until they went to pick her up. They knew a few little things about her. But she's, she was an orphan. Nobody really knows all of her story. But they loved her before they left. You know? Think about that. It's like they started believing five years ago. She's four. One year into the process, she was born. And so God set it up for them to be able to adopt her. And so they brought her home. And they, they had such amazing favor because they didn't have to quarantine when they got there. Everything was fairly smooth in returning. And they brought her home. And so now they're all adjusting to having a daughter and a sister. And to me, that's love. Because it was unconditional. It was like, well, we're not just going to get over there and say, well, we found this is not right with her, so hey, we're just going to leave her here. Nope. It was like, we're going to get our daughter. She was identified as a member of the family long before they left to go get her. And to me, that's love. And that's a great example of love. Um, and I feel like this is probably how we should feel about orphans on a regular basis, the, the unsaved around us. We should love them. We should do good to them. We should accept them, you know, and say God loves you no matter what you've done. That's really difficult for some people to say that God's love is unconditional. It's difficult for some folks because they look at it and they say, well, this is a child molester. That's just like at the top of really, really bad people. God loves them anyway. And if that person gets saved, that person's going to heaven just like you. That is really difficult for a lot of people that God doesn't have a list of some sins that are worse than others. To him, sin is sin. I know, it's really difficult because that's not how we view it, right? So, but that is how he sees it. So we're supposed to be demonstrations of his love and his goodness. And I found something recently that I wanted to read to you. And this is, it was from a, another, it was some sort of publication, and these words have been passed down, the story has been passed down for generations. And it says, John the Evangelist, this is the same John who wrote the book of John in um, 1 John. He lived in Ephesus until extreme old age. His disciples could barely carry him to church, and he could not muster the voice to speak many words. During individual gatherings, he usually said nothing but, little children, love one another. That's all he said, little children, love one another. The disciples and brothers in attendance, annoyed because they always heard the same words, finally said, teacher, why do you always say this? And he replied with a line worthy of John, because it is the Lord's commandment, and if it alone is kept, it is sufficient. Wow. It's like little children love one another. How different would our lives look, would other people's lives look, if we loved each other? Love is very powerful. God's love is really powerful. 
and it can change our lives and it can change the world. So, I realize I didn't talk about anything tonight that you didn't already know, but isn't it wonderful sometimes to review things and remind yourself of how much God loves you? So, I think so. But before we finish up tonight, I thought I would go ahead. I'd like to pray over everybody um, just, for, just for a minute. Father God, we just lift you up and we just thank you for your love. I thank you that you loved us so much that you gave your son for us. And then you loved us so much that you gave us Holy Spirit. And that your love permeates every part of us. I thank you, Father, that your love is the foundation for everything in our lives. And so we just lift you up tonight and we thank you for that. And we thank you that you go before us and you make a way for us. And you love us so much that you make a way for us out of every situation that we're in. And we thank you, Lord, for opportunities for us to show your love to other people this week. We thank you, Father, that your love can change people's lives. And so let us go this week and just love the people who are in front of us, the people who are in our path. Let them see you and see Jesus in us this week. And we just thank you for it, Father. We thank you for your mercy and your kindness. But tonight especially, we thank you for your love. And we give you all the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us tonight.